What's up, friends? Welcome to Web3 Academy, a place for entrepreneurs, creators, and marketers to explore and learn how to use Web3 to transform business models and create thriving communities. Enjoy this next episode. GM, GM. Welcome, friends, back to another episode on Web3 Academy. Today is the weekly roll-up where we break down all of the news and all the cool things that are happening in the Web3 space. Over the last week, I am back in Canada, actually. Uh, it's been a while, actually the first time in 2022 I've been home in Canada. So I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to be joined, not by Jay, my typical co-host, but instead by Jeremy. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. He's been on, this is your third time now, maybe four? I think third time, yeah, trifecta. Trifecta. Jerry, where are you? I'm in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Nice, yeah. my man. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're actually going to go through a bit of a... Uh, a trip down memory lane and talk about some of the key things that happened through the bull market uh, in uh, 2020 and 2021. So we'll give you guys kind of a refresh on what all went on in case some of you missed some of it. Uh, we're going to talk about some things, uh, some new launches, some new actually um, uh, purchases. So some companies have been buying up some mainly NFT marketplaces. So lots of news there. We'll talk about some NFT utility and some things happening in the NFT space. Uh, and then some stuff on the layer ones and layer twos, um, some drama going down in this space. Uh, and uh, we're going to dive into some of that. And then we've got our Web3 person of the month, uh, which is a big one today. Um, so lots to talk about. But first, let's talk about some gratitude, which I mean, gratitude we can all use, especially during times like this in a bear market. Uh, we need to find some optimism uh, and, and just you know, um, be grateful for things. So Jer, what are you grateful for today? Today, I'm grateful for um, my family. We've, we've had some stuff going on and everyone is super supportive and uh, it's just it's just nice to have family close and, you know, be able to to have them to lean on. So thankful for my family. How about Absolutely. you? What, what are you thankful for? You know what? Very similar. As I said, I haven't been in Canada uh, all year. I left in 2021, went uh, to Ecuador for New Year's. So I haven't seen my family in, I guess, six months it's been. Uh, and uh, just got back two days ago. So very grateful for my family, my dog, uh, and uh, just happy to to you know be home for a couple of weeks to see them and see some friends as well. So that's my gratitude. That's awesome. Uh, what kind of dog do you have at home? I have a Westie, a Westie. Ooh. So nice. Western Terrier, a little dog. It was actually the day I got back was she was sick. She ate a rock. And oh, uh, yeah, it was not a pleasant, <laughs> uh, not a pleasant experience getting that thing out. So that's crazy. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a late night actually, me trying to figure that out. But anyway, let's move on. Um where cool. we want to so start with the uh, I think we should start with the web three word of the week. Do you uh, do you know what that is this week? I do. I have a Web3 Word of the Week. It's probably less in the Web3 realm and it's more the, the crypto realm. But the Web3 Word of the Week is bailouts. It seems that, uh, you know, we've talked a, a bit about markets over the last few weeks and we're not going to talk much about markets this time around. But it seems uh, a lot of these um, centralized companies that are, you know, lending out and, uh, and managing people's crypto uh, got too much, too much leverage over the, the bull market and, uh, and you know they need a bailout, I guess, because they're all imploding at the moment and going insolvent. And thankfully, we have uh, our boy Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX with a lot of money, and they have now bailed out. I think Voyager. I think they are bailing out. Who else? There? There's three that they've basically. Um, I think BlockFi they invested in, and something okay. else. 
Um, and so I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing for the industry. Uh, I mean, bailouts is never a good thing, I guess. Uh, but at least we're not getting overly liquidated. Um, but uh, I think FTX is now basically getting a monopoly over the space, maybe. So I don't know. We'll yeah, see. But um, exactly. Yeah, they're taking over. But anyway, that's my that's my word of the week is bailouts. And I guess I'm somewhat grateful that they're happening. Yeah. Keeping things afloat. Keeping things afloat. Yeah. Okay, so let's get started, uh, friends. We're going to start with this tweet thread that actually came out uh, titled, This Crypto Cycle Was Even Weirder Than the ICO Frenzy of 2017 and 2018. Here's my pick of the most ridiculous moments of this cycle. So we're really going to talk about some of the ridiculous stuff that happened, which honestly, a lot of this bull market was. Um, so let's go through it. So it all really started back in 2020 in the summer. Uh, and with DeFi summer. And the thing that really kicked it off for anyone that was around uh, is these food farms. I don't know, Jared, were you around for DeFi summer? Were you involved in that? I, I was around for it, but I wasn't involved at all in it, but I kind of saw it go down. Right. Yeah. Same here. I was not in any of them, but basically if you were around then you remember these tokens and these, I guess they were yield farm uh, type things. And basically it was like called yam and kimchi and sushi and pickle and ham and pizza uh, and all these tokens that were just like inflating like crazy, but it was giving people incentive to go and like farm whatever it was to farm these stupid food tokens. Um, yeah. And they just went, you know, insane for a while and everyone was doing it. It was just these ridiculous hyper inflating tokens that, I mean, they all quickly went to zero, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but it was kind of like a big deal. And this is, I remember I was first learning about DeFi at the time. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like yam and sushi and kimchi. Yeah. So crazy. I, I was watching led, this one like YouTuber yeah. guy who was super hard into all of this. And every other day, it seemed like he found a new one that offered thousand percent yield, you know, just all yeah. these ridiculous numbers. And, but yeah, they all pretty, pretty immediately went back to zero. Well, that's the thing with this sort of open decentralized finance is like you can just duplicate the copy, right? You can fork it. And that's basically what all these were. Uh, that moved us into these pump and dump scam pads where basically it was like everyone was creating these sort of launch pads where you could launch your tokens on. I don't really know why they weren't really needed, but it just the idea was it generated a lot of hype. It got a bunch of people in that were in holding the token for this launch pad and everyone would buy up this token real quick. And then everyone would just sell it right away and it would just like go to zero real quick. This is kind of what was happening in the middle of this DeFi summer, just craziness. That led into these sort of dog Ponzi's, if everyone remembers those. Um, so we had Shiba. Uh, and then there was, I don't even know, do you know some of the other ones that were going on back then? Yeah, there was a lot of offshoots. People were trying to combine like Shiba with Elon. So Shiba Elon, um, just anything that took Shiba or Doge and then add on weird words to that. And, and it was just memes. Like it was just communities buying into some tokens. There was no utility as far as I know. There was no like mm-hmm. innovative technology around them. It was literally just like, I don't know. I think Dogecoin had been around for a while. And people were like, well, let's make our own. And so they started just like minting them mainly on Ethereum. And like, I remember Shiba was like, a, I mean, probably still is a multi-billion dollar market cap and it has doesn't do anything. No. Um, so kind of crazy, but there's so many of them. Like this one, he just wrote in Shiba, Kinu, Elon coin. Like what yeah. the heck was going on? <laughs> Oh my God. And actually, so so one of them, I don't remember which one it was, but sent a bunch of their tokens to Vitalik. I think he had close to like a billion uh, dollars worth of their token and he completely rugged them and just sold it and then donated all the charity, which I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, I remember that happening and that was a big deal. And that token 
obviously did not do too well. I can't remember which Gangster. one it was that he did this with. Gangster. I think it was Shiba. Was it Shiba? I think so. Okay, well, Shiba didn't go to zero, I don't think. I actually tweeted yeah. the other day. I think Shiba was up like 30% the other day, and I was like, oh, God, we have not learned. We have not yeah. learned anything in this bear market. <laughs> then there was sort of early 2021 um, where Elon and Tesla were getting into Bitcoin. I mean, it was a big announcement. I think it was January or February 2021. But basically, it was like whatever Elon tweeted, it would move the market by literally billions. Um, and so if he tweeted something good, everyone would buy. When he tweets something bad, everyone would sell. And it was just insane for a little bit there. Um, Elon was just kind of controlling the market and having fun with it too, uh, which is a lot of jokes. And at the same time, we had Wall Street bets come in. This wasn't really a crypto play. This is more just meme. And you know they were doing the whole thing in the stock market with GameStop and GME uh and amc um which now actually we think back on this um you know they sort of saved gamestop and now look at gamestop they built an nft marketplace on immutable uh mm -hmm. and they're like they're doing i don't know if they're doing they launched a wallet just recently um crazy i guess we got yeah. wall street bets to thank for that do we yeah, i know breathing life back into them right exactly then we had these ohm forks and i don't know too much about what these were but this was like a big deal for a little bit Basically, they were like these like Ponzi scheme tokens um, where if you got in and you farmed, you could I think you could like farm something and it would keep the I don't know if it was a, a stable coin. Uh, I honestly don't know enough about this, so I probably shouldn't be talking about Ohm. But there were so many forks of this, I remember. And I just remember people saying like the moment people start to sell, there's no utility really here. It's just a Ponzi where like if everyone holds, which they all agreed in Discord, they would hold the price would just go up. And it was like, well, eventually someone's going to want to take profits. And that is what happened mm -hmm. I think, near end of 2021. And a bunch of these Ohm uh, tokens and Ohm like forks uh, essentially went to zero, you know, went to next yeah. to nothing. So that was kind of crazy. Then as prices went up like crazy, we had so much value locked into smart contracts, whether that be bridges um, or smart contracts and, and DeFi projects. And we just had so many hacks. If you remember like, I mean, even this year, I guess, early 2022, but end of 2021, there was like, I don't know, the Ronin hack of like $650 million was one. There was the Polygon um, the Polygon bridge or something was hacked for something like $600 million as well. Uh, what else? I don't even remember. Do you remember any of the other hacks that went on? Um, so another, many. Maybe not like crypto related, but there's been a lot of Discord hacks. So people, you know, will get rugged from a project because some someone, I don't know, loses the login information and someone comes in, takes it over and changes the right. roles on everybody. Right. But it's funny because as this guy, uh, Dr. Nick uh, says, he's like, we didn't really care about them, though. It was like these just crazy hacks that were going on. It was just kind of like the prices were going up. The bull market was crazy. I was like, whatever, <laughs> we'll figure it out. No one really cared. It was insane. Uh, this is funny. Ethereum foundation dumping on us at the top twice. So it, for those of you um, that are newer into the space, uh, there's all this like, like Ethereum foundation, I guess, dumped the top last cycle as well. Um, how they did this, I have no idea, like how they can figure this out, but they did. And so it was kind of a joke. And so they did it at the first top that we had back in like, was it February or May? And they did it again in November. Um, and so this guy says, turns out Vitalik really is God and can time the markets perfectly. Uh, I probably had nothing to do with Vitalik, but uh, yeah. either way, Ethereum Foundation did it again. They actually did it twice in 2021, which is kind of funny. Um, this was insane. So Binance Smart Chain, I remember they launched early, I think it was early 2021, 
fees were going crazy on Ethereum back then um, because of all this DeFi stuff. And Ethereum was like, had gone from, I think it was like $200 or $150 to like 2000 in a matter of months. It was just insane. And the gas fees went nuts. And so Binance Smart Chain just basically forked Ethereum uh, and launched with, with a bunch of like, again, forked um, DeFi protocols on it. And, uh, and everyone went over there. It was just super degen. There was meme coins. There was all these Ponzi's. Like, it was just insane. And uh, what this guy uh, pulled up was there was nearly 4,000 rugs per day on, on Binance Smart Chain. 4,000 in the middle of 2021. That is insane. It was, uh, yeah, I never used, I never used Binance Smart Chain because I was like, I don't know what's going on over there. Did you ever use that? No, I didn't. No. Um, yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but it was just absolutely insane. And then I think his funny just kind of wrap up was like Bitcoin topped at 69K. So couldn't be more meme for the crypto industry. Like that was just yeah. bound to happen. Uh, there's Solana breaking down. I mean, that's still kind of happening right now, uh, but they kept breaking down over the last year. Uh, and then obviously the hyper JPEGization, as he calls it, which is just NFTs went absolutely ballistic and people mm -hmm. started buying board apes and every version of apes you could possibly find. He's got a picture here of, I don't know if this was at NFT NYC, but I saw it the other day, but a guy painted himself uh, to awesome. look like his board ape yacht club and uh, <laughs> painted like his whole body, uh, which is absolutely hilarious. It's web two him your... versus web three him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was your favorite moment, Jer, of uh, of this crazy bull market? Anything stand out to you? Um, yeah, so further up when uh, you're talking about Elon pumping all these like Doge and different things, I remember he was going to be on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy some Doge and I'm going to sit. <laughs> so I stayed up all night watching this thing, waiting for him to say something about Doge, and I think he finally just says like Doge to the moon. So, I don't know, but I just remember sitting there all night telling my wife, like, he's going to say something, it's going to spike, and this is going to be great. Yeah. I don't I don't think it spikes, but that was that was fun. Yeah, I actually think it dumped afterwards. I kind of remember talking about that. It was like, but because everyone leading up to it was like, oh, it's going to happen. People were buying, and then I'm pretty sure it dumped afterwards. But yeah, it was just crazy that, like, anything that happened in the media would just make markets go insane at that moment. And just the dumbest mm -hmm. things, like someone on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorites was this Constitution Dallas, another one that he put in, um, where, you know, I don't know how many people it was, it was like, I think it was over 10,000 people got together, raised uh, $40 million to try to buy the, um, to buy the Constitution, um, and uh, ended up getting beat and bought out by, I can't remember the guy's name, it's this guy, whoever he is, um, he's like a hedge fund manager, big, rich, white dude, though, and uh, he's got this, like, always had these problems with crypto and um, whether he did it to like, you know, kind of, um, you know, fight back against the crypto crowd. I don't really know. It's a very expensive, uh, you know, joke if he was, um, but I don't know why he bought it. But anyway, he outbeat, uh, outbid um, the, uh, the crypto community and the constitution DAO and, uh, and basically rugged us. But I mean, that's the way it goes. <laughs> All right, let's move on from any of the, uh, um, this craziness that happened in the bull run. Cause we are no longer in a bull run, are we? We are in a bear. <laughs> we are in a bear market and uh, we're dealing with a whole other different world at the moment. Um, but that's just a nice little trip down memory lane. Um, but let's talk about some actual utility, some real things that are happening in the space. No more hacks, no more Ponzi's and all this craziness. Let's talk about some real stuff. What's going on in, in the space right now, Jared, what do we got here? 
Um, I, I really like this headline that just came out. Uh, eBay acquires NFT marketplace known origin. Um, and I guess selfishly, I, I love that eBay is kind of moving into this digital collectible space because I, I grew up um, on eBay. That was one of the first kind of clicks in my head that like, oh, you can you can do things on the internet and you can sell things. You know, you don't have to have a store. And so that was just a big unlock for me. And I'm a I've always collected things. Uh, eBay's got like a, a place near and dear in my heart. So it's, it's cool to right. see that they're, you know, evolving with the times and um, staying, staying relevant, I guess. Yeah. I actually used to sell, um, uh, I think it was baseball. I was really young and me and my dad did it, but we would sell baseball cards. I think it was on, um, on, on eBay baseball or was it maybe hockey cards too? I can't remember, but we were doing it when I was super young. Uh, but my dad still used eBay. He's been using it for a really long time. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, so they bought known origin, which is NFT marketplace. Uh, I believe it's on Polygon and Tezos. No. So what happened was eBay released some, um, some NFTs, I guess a month ago, uh, on Tezos and Polygon. That's what it is. And then, um, uh, and then, yeah, they've now bought known origin. I don't really know much about no known origin. Have you ever used it? No, I haven't. Um, no. but it says that they've what facilitated 7.8 million in trade volume since they launched in 2018. Um, right, right. So maybe smaller, I but mean, still. I wonder if they'll integrate this into eBay, like their own site, or how they're going to like handle this, or they just want exposure to the space. I don't know. Either way, I think really cool to see the big companies, you know, getting into the space. And obviously, if they're buying. Uh, a marketplace they're bullish on nfts and bullish on where the space is going so i think that is um Absolutely. that is super cool uh we got another acquisition of an nft marketplace uh yesterday as well uh which is uniswap so this is kind of crazy so uniswap which is the largest by a long shot um dex a decentralized exchange in the crypto space um they have only been a, a dex right where they you can trade tokens and swap tokens but now they've just bought the NFT marketplace Genie XYZ, which was actually the first, um, I believe, uh, NFT marketplace aggregator. And so what's happening now is Uniswap is basically pulling in the ability to, um, to trade, uh, buy, buy and sell NFTs, and they're putting it into the Uniswap app. So now it's kind of this like one-stop shop um, for all digital assets, which I think uh, is super cool. It won't be launched until fall, it says in this video here. Um, but I like this for the UX because right now, like, I think that we're really going to merge the use of tokens and NFTs. And like right now they have their own names. Uh, I think they're all just going to be digital assets in the future. And, you know, you can buy either, you know, a fungible token or you can buy a non-fungible token. They'll probably merge in terms of the UX. And I just think that what Uniswap is doing is kind of putting it all into one application. And this is great for us who use Uniswap already. It's also great for companies who want to integrate into Uniswap. So I feel like things like Instagram, et cetera, they're going to end up allowing you to swap tokens inside of their application. And they're not going to build a DEX, I'm assuming. Maybe they do, but probably not. Because uh, then you got to worry about liquidity and all this kind of stuff when you already have Uniswap that does it. So once they integrate Uniswap into, let's say, Instagram or Twitter, or whatever, now they can do it and you can have swapping tokens and you can swap uh, NFTs. So um, really, really cool. I think this is huge for the space and unexpected. I never thought Uniswap protocol was going to, you know, or Uniswap Labs is going to buy up an NFT place. I love it though. And it makes sense, like you're saying, to have it everything in one place. You, uh, If you want to buy an NFT on one chain versus another, you can swap it 
you don't have to leave and send ETH to another, you know, swap, pay the transaction there and then send it back. Like it's a, right. it just makes sense. Right. Absolutely. So super cool announcement. Excited to see how that plays out. Um, but these are the kind of things we like. What do we got here, Jer? Um, so we have Meta uh, partnering with Balenciaga, Prada, and Tom Brown to launch a digital fashion marketplace. And not much of a fashion person, but if I remember correctly, my wife said that Balenciaga is those really cool shoes. They have red bottoms. Um, so that's all I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, cool for the, the metaverse, I guess, right? This is, I assume, what it is, digital fashions. You're going to be able to buy... Um, clothes and things for for avatars and stuff i guess is that mm -hmm. what you've gathered so. from this yeah and that i like I'm, i think it makes sense if you're going to have an avatar in the metaverse you're going to want to customize it you know and change up your outfit or make it look different and more unique to you so that it makes sense i, I think that's pretty cool now no word from this article if there are going to be nfts or not like are they going to actually do are we going to be able to own this digital fashion um have not heard anything, but I know like, I'm pretty sure Prada has already got into the NFT space. So I don't know about Balenciaga or Tom Brown, um, but um, I guess we'll see where they go there. Um, hopefully it involves, you know, actual ownership. If not, I don't think it's going to make it long-term, but we'll see. Yeah. It is cool. At least that like, even if it isn't NFTs, I think it's still like good for the space because they're going to create a good UX. I'm sure they're going to onboard a bunch of people and people are going to be more familiar with the metaverse. Eventually they will move over to, Oh, well, I want to actually own my digital fashion. Why the heck would I, you know, buy, like buy this here or make this here if I can't own it. Um, yeah. But overall net positive, I think um, for the whole metaverse yeah. space. Um, so. They're big, you know, global brands. And so they have a reach and they're going to introduce new people to it and, They've got the the big budgets to spend on marketing and get the word out there. So it's it's good. Right, exactly. And we can't expect perfection right off yeah. the bat. We got to onboard the people into this space first, and then we can figure it out as we go. This was pretty uh, pretty cool or pretty surreal, as David uh, DavidDev.e says. So we actually had David. Um, he is the one of the devs uh, at Lens Protocol. We had him and Brad in our community call two weeks ago now, I believe it was, to talk all about Lens. And um, we're big supporters of Lens. We love what Lens is doing. Um, for those of you listening, uh, if you have not claimed your Lens handle yet, go do that. If you were in that community call, by the way, I think you just go to uh, just go to Lens.xyz. You'll find the claim spot, put in your wallet, and you'll see it uh, that you'll get access. You had to have attended that call and filled out the form, though. But anyway, what we're showing here for those listening is a picture of Times Square in New York City, uh, and it was just Lens protocol all over so up on the big Times square the main thing the main board there you had lens up on the screen um you had at the top of that it just said gm mm -hmm. uh you had over to i believe it's on the left where there's another screen um and uh again it had lens.xyz with a qr code uh, and then you had a big sign over the like h&m that's there that just says lfg and in the g there it says row so let's effing grow um, which I love that. And again, a, a QR code and it just says web three social media is here. Um, so super cool. That goes in front of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I'm super jealous that Jay who's normally on is there right now. Cause I, the, the pictures coming through are super cool. Like there's so much going on. People are going all out. Um, it's, it's awesome. 
Yeah, it looks pretty cool there. And there's so much happening in the NFT space. I'm sure NFT NYC is just a blast. I guess we never mentioned why Jay wasn't here. I just said he wasn't here. Uh, he's not here because he's at NFT NYC meeting up with the Web3 Academy people, uh, meeting up with just a bunch of people in the Web3 space. Uh, and uh, I'm just sure learning all about um, the NFT space right now. And he's going to actually put out a podcast uh, in the coming week or so uh, all about this. So um yeah, going to be pretty cool. I'm sure there's so much happening in New York right now at that. Um, okay, so let's switch into a little bit of talk about governance. So there was a tweet that came out that got pretty popular um, by Jack. Oof, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Neewold? Neewold? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Neewold? <laughs> crypto. And basically what he says is crypto is reaching a breaking point and has nothing to do with the Fed, Celsius, JPEGs, or DeFi. It's us. We, the users, are destroying crypto. Let me explain. Basically, what he's talking about here is governance. So crypto is ultimately a tool for governance. Uh, and I'm just going to get into some of the examples he's talking about. We've really kind of shit the bed on governance stuff uh, over the last couple of weeks. And I think we've got a lot to learn. We do talk about governance quite a bit on the show. Um, one of the best, I think, highlights uh, examples of governance that we talked about was optimism. Um, because one of the big problems we see is that when it's one token, one vote, really the votes are coming down to people who want short-term gains for their tokens, right? They're not the best people probably to vote about what's going on. Just because they own some of it doesn't mean they know what's happening and know the best decisions. Um, and so what Optimism did is they kind of did a, 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 a two-pronged approach to governance where they had like the token holders can vote some, and then they had these sort of like non-transferable NFTs that can be earned by like actually working on the protocol and being a part of it. Uh, and so you get a different voting share versus those who hold tokens. Uh, and that way, those who are like really building the protocol are kind of these long-term, um, they're more thinking long-term rather than those who hold the tokens are thinking kind of short-term and just want gains. And so um, he talked a few examples here. So one was with Tribe and Rari, um, which is a, a DeFi protocol uh, on Ethereum. And in short, Rari was hacked for $80 million, then voted to refund lenders who got the funds stolen and then vetoed the refund vote. So basically they put token holders over the depositors. And now the SEC is subpoena, subpoenaing Coinbase for transaction data that has to do with this case. So his example in the real world, real world is, imagine if a bank got robbed and told depositors they were out of luck so that they could protect the wealth of the board of directors. That's kind of what's going on here. Um, with this sort of governance voting. So it's really cool. He like explains what happened in the um, in this space. And then he explains kind of the real world version to it. So YGG and Merit Circle. So YGG is a yield guild game. So they basically, um, they create uh, guilds and stuff inside of uh, Web3 games. They also invest a lot in metaverse projects, et cetera. And so YGG invested a in a metaverse project called Merit Circle. Their investment has since then 30x since they did this until the DAO decided that they didn't want YGG to have the SAFT. I don't know what that means um, anymore and voted to cancel their seed investment. So this is really weird. So he's like, imagine if you wrote a check to a crypto project, they took the money to build a project, then ripped up the check after you were up 30x. Like if this starts to happen, institutional money will never touch this space again. Completely understandable, right? It makes no sense. Um, so that was crazy. And then we have the final one, which has got a lot of noise this last week. Um, but Soul End, which is a lending platform on Solana, um, 
they passed a governance proposal to take over a private account, a private wallet. So a whale borrowed $108 million in stable coins against $170 million Solana position. If it gets liquidated, it would tank the token price and potentially crash the Solana network. And so they plan to take over the account to mitigate risk, but you can't just take over someone's private assets like that. So think of what president precedent it would set. Can whales now take over small retail accounts with a governance vote? Um, property, property rights must be enforced uh, at all costs, he says. So a lot of weird things happening mm -hmm. in governance right now. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Jer? No, that's just, uh, he, he does a really good job of like breaking that down and giving real world examples so that you can wrap your head around it. Cause I didn't quite understand it when I first read through it, but it's, uh, it's scary. Cause you, you know, you, you spend your hard earned money to buy these things and the whole web three space is about ownership. And so if something threatens that it, it's, a uh, it's, it's not good. It's not good for the space. Right. And I mean, Vitalik has been has been writing articles and talking about this for a long time of just this whole one token, one vote is not ideal. Um, and so he's really pushing innovation here and trying to find better ways to do this. Because, um, again, obviously, you can tell the soul end thing. It's just the token holders that don't want their bags to go to zero. And so they're going to do anything that they can to make sure that their money doesn't go to zero. Uh, and that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, the whole point is like in leverage and all this stuff is like the whole point in DeFi and these like open protocols is like things should act the way they're meant to act and no one should have to step in and bail out and change the rules. Like there are rules and a whale, you know, over leveraged and he's going to get liquidated and it is what it is. That's got to mm -hmm. happen. That's how this stuff is supposed to work. Um, we can't just go and, you know, jump in and change it. If we can do that, and if we are doing that, we're no different than the financial system we have today. It makes no yeah. sense. So um, shame on Solan, shame on all those voters uh, that are hurt, are trying to take over this whale's wallet. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping, and I think we're going to start covering a lot more of governance um, and how we can improve this stuff. Because right now, this is just a bunch of, I think I think it's just a bunch of DGENs, to be honest, that want to save their money. And so they're just kind of, complaining about things and trying to change the rules and it's just i don't know to me it's absolutely ridiculous um but it is what it is hot protocol so we're moving on to some nft stuff now this is really cool so hot protocol we've talked about a little bit before they're a bridge a layer two bridge so you can bridge from polygon optimism arbitrum etc um and uh they recently did a, an airdrop because they are trying to decentralize their protocol as well. They actually did a really cool thing in terms of governance too. So if you want to learn about it, check out what they did. Um, but basically uh, what they've done here is partnered with Arbitrum. So Arbitrum is doing like this Arbitrum week, I guess, where they're trying to, it's, it's a marketing play basically to get people to bridge over to Arbitrum. I assume it's because they're going to do a airdrop soon because uh, they want to do the same as Optimism, but that's just my guess. But anyway, what, what they've done is partnered with Hot Protocol to say anyone who uses Hot Protocol and bridges to Arbitrum over the next week has a chance of winning 10 lucky um, hop, sorry, 10 lucky hoppers will receive a small brains NFT as a special gift. So they're basically using NFTs as a in sort of a giveaway as an incentive for people to one, use Hot Protocol and two, move it over to the Arbitrum Bridge. Um, so really cool partnership between protocols um, and then using, I think, tokens to sort of incentivize people to do that. So that was really cool. Then they announced the next day that actually, um, oh, it's not even on here, uh, but what they announced uh, the next day was that 
everyone who bridges within that time frame will actually get a POAP, so a proof of attendance protocol, that they were involved in this sort of Arbitrum Bridge Week and that they used HOP to do it. And so everyone will get this POAP and we'll see what they end up doing with that in the future. Maybe there's a more airdrop there or there's some sort of gift or whatever, I don't know. Um, but lots of cool just experiments on a marketing side of things, utilizing NFTs and partnerships between protocols. Um, I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Have you bridged? Did you bridge, Jer? I did not. No. You I'm reading that, kicking tick, myself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this was interesting. This was shared by um, Tim in our um, in our Discord and part of the Web3 Academy community. Uh, by the way, Tim has been running our community calls. Uh, we had a great community call on Monday, uh, just talking about community and how to cultivate community. Uh, and um, and we talked a lot about how what we're going to do in Web3 Academy um, to create a more engaged and active community. Um, and so we've got some news coming out on that uh, probably in the next week or so. Uh, but Tim is from Australia and he um, he is working with an accountant who actually launched uh, a bunch of NFTs. I think it was 1,200 NFTs. And these are kind of cool. So what it is, is basically anyone who bought this NFT would get three one-on-one -on -one sessions with um, with the accountant. I'm not sure the accountant's name, but Roo Shocks, I guess is mm -hmm. the name. Roo, kangaroo, I get it. Australians, yeah. makes sense here. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's only for Australians, obviously, because he's an accountant and he would, I assume, only understand the Australian uh, tax system. Uh, but anyway, 1,200-piece um, NFT project, and you get three one-on-one -on -one calls uh, with um, whatever the gentleman's name is. You get access to the Discord, right? And it's NFT-gated. And then access to um, future events. And so I think what happens is, as laws change, as things, uh, as they're going to, of course, especially in the crypto space, he's going to continue to update this crew of people that are part of his sort of NFT community. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and and Tim, Tim bought one of these. So he's he's been able to do that. Uh, and then I guess uh, I was just kind of like, okay, well, where does he go from there? Like, what if you want to buy more, you know, sessions? And basically he said, no, you can just do that the normal way, you know, with your fiat money, whatever. This was more to kind of um, I think to get a community together to sort of package in something. And then he kind of said, you know, we'll see where he goes with it. You know, he's open to like coming up with creating more utility for this NFTs. Um, I think what's really cool is the, uh, the accountant kind of knows who are his like main crew right now, who's his community. Uh, and so we can continue to help them. And I'm sure he'll find more ways to do things with NFT. Cause the thing I'm always trying to figure out is when people launch NFTs, it's like, well, could we just do that in the Web2 world? Like, why did we need an NFT to do that? That's the question I'm always trying to ask. Um, and so this one, you know, probably could have been done in the Web2 world, though it's very hard to gate a community um, without an NFT at the moment, especially if you want to go multi-platform. Um, so I think there is just a, a use case of it there. And I think it's more just fun. And I think a lot of this guy's clients are people who are interested in crypto. So cool way to just sort of like engage the community, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And it's cool to see real utility with a, an NFT collection. I think you're getting something out of it. You're having one-on-ones with him where you're going to learn and it's going to improve, you know, your financial um, area. So it's, uh, yeah, it's great. Right. And the, and the NFTs, I guess, are PFPs. I don't know if this is a PFP necessarily. Um, oh, wait a minute. Ethan Ruchuk, his name is Ruchuk. Wow. That's a great name. <laughs> I thought it was Rue, like, because maybe kangaroo. Kangaroo, so. <laughs> Sorry to out. all the Aussies out there. 
but I guess that's his last name. That's amazing. But anyway, um, it's also branding, right? Like um, if he would have just sold these packages in the normal way, no one would know who bought these. Um, and this way you kind of, you know, you get these branding. If people start to put them as their profile pictures or share them in their galleries, mm -hmm. et cetera, it's good branding for your, for, for you. So um, that's cool. And I guess, I mean, we're talking about on a podcast and otherwise yeah. neither of us are from Australia, we would have never done it. That's true. Yeah. Um, so it works. <laughs> it works so far. Yeah. What have we got here? There's another uh, group of people who are starting to use NFTs to fund things. Um, and so this article is talking about politicians who are turning to NFTs to fund their campaigns. And I think it references a Colorado governor. Um, and so he's got a collection coming out and it's, it apparently cannot be sold on the secondary market, but it's more of just a less souvenir, kind of like a proof of whatever that you voted for him and support. Um, and it's interesting, right? Like, there's so many ways to to raise money. You've got Kickstarter and a million other ways. And I don't know if, if this is more of a, a marketing play or just something to do to be hip, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, at first when I heard this, I was like, okay, you could just use any crowdfunding platform. You don't really need an NFT here. But mm -hmm. I actually don't mind that it's non-transferable because it, it, like you said, it's kind of a proof of I supported this you know, mm -hmm. whoever he is, um, governor or whatever, which like, it matters to some people, right. Yeah. That you want to show off that, like, here's the things that I support and here's what I've done. It's kind of like, um, the pooly NFTs that are going on right now to, um, support kind of DeFi and holding one of those NFTs shows that you're a supporter, uh, of, of the DeFi ecosystem. And I think the same thing here is like, this shows you're a supporter of his name is Jared, mm -hmm. Jared Paulus. Um, so actually kind of cool. I don't mind that. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, I don't know. Hopefully it is definitely a marketing play. There's no doubt in my mind he's doing this for yeah. marketing play. Like NFTs are hot. So why not? Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's all in, I got in, on that. In real life, you got people who, you know, buy bumper stickers and flags and they put signs in their front yard and stuff. And so maybe this right. is just kind of the next frontier of when you have a wallet and it's more of the, the social component of it you can see oh this person supports you know this way of thinking or doing That's things a good point. So, yeah it's the digital way to show off what you care about right you're mm -hmm. right like bumper stickers putting things on your fridge uh hanging things on your house or on your front lawn i mean if more people are going into the metaverse then nfts uh, are a way for you to show off the things you've done and and not just show off the things you care about but also to prove like yo i actually donated you know um, mm -hmm. I'm not just a fan, but I actually donated, which, you know, if Jared Paulus wins, um, then uh, whatever he's doing, then maybe he has a way to reward these people too. Right. Um, so that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. What's this NHL, my favorite is, as a Canadian. Yeah, no, this is awesome. Um, so NHL is partnering with sweet, um, which we weren't sure quite what that was looked it up ahead of time. It's actually a really, really cool NFT marketplace. Um, but yeah, the NHL is partnering with them to offer digital collectibles in the form of NFTs. And so it sounds like what they're doing is throughout the 2022-2023 season, they're going to be taking, you know, really cool video clips of like big plays and things, and those will become NFTs and collectibles. Um, and then I think they'll start featuring kind of past players um, and ongoing. So I think that's a, I don't know, that's, that's awesome to me, because again, like you said, growing up collecting sports cards and stuff like this is again the next next frontier um so if you could Absolutely. have you know like a 
a video of your favorite player checking someone or scoring a, a goal. Like that's, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess NBA did, I think it was the NBA who did this as well. Right. They did a lot of these things with um, whatever that blockchain was in marketplace. Um, was it flow? I think NBA top shots. That's it. Top shot, yeah. um, so this is like, seems like it's kind of similar. It looks like they'll also have like old moments uh, and collectibles with like Wayne Gretzky, Ty Domi, Sidney Crosby, Marley Mew, Ty Domi, a legend from, uh, from Toronto. Um, I've actually met Ty Domi and I've, I've partied with Ty Domi. Uh, I got a great story about Ty Domi. I don't know if I should say it on this podcast. <laughs> Just say uh, he's a friend of a, a friend of mine who also played the NHL. And, and uh, after the bar one night, we went back to my buddy's place and Ty Domi showed up with like 40 McDonald's cheeseburgers and 40... <laughs> 40 big things of Coca-Cola and 40 things of fries. And we're like, first of all, we're like, amazing. Thanks for the burgers. We're like, why did you get so much like Coca-Cola? No one wants that. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he was just, he was having a time. It was hilarious. But That's hilarious. anyway, uh, I might have to buy a, a tie Domi NFT because mm -hmm. uh, he's a legend. Uh, he was a fighter in the NHL, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know. But yeah, look at this sweet marketplace here. It's what it's called, a suite, um, mm. which is a marketplace on top of, what did we learn? Ethereum? Polygon and what was the other one? Tezos, maybe? I can't remember what the, the other one was. I think it was Tezos. And they said they're building on more, but like I had no idea of all these partnerships. They've got like Macy's, Red Bull, the Australian Open. Kia. Uh, what else? Kia. Elton John looked like he's got something Elton on there. John. Yeah, Elton John. Claren. Like, when did all these people get in this space? I don't understand. Like, what is this stuff? I'm going to open this to see Elton John hoverboard auction live now. What is going on? Sweet. Yeah. I don't know how I never heard about this or seen any of this stuff, but um, crazy, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that's sweet. No pun intended. Yeah. Huh? Huh? See what you did there. <laughs> Got that? Yeah. Uh, okay. This is cool. So X NFT dialect. So on June 27th, the mobile era of web three messaging begins. So basically what's happening is the latest version of Slope Finance's mobile app, uh, you'll be able to receive messages from users and push notifications from dApps right into your wallet, right on your phone. So this is super sick, something I've been talking about for a while and trying to figure out. So I'll give some, a backstory of why I think this is so important. Um, so we, were, we uh, launched NFTs before for our Discord community. And when someone signs up and buys, we were also going to do it. We were going to gate access to a, um, basically a membership model where you had to buy an NFT to um, get access to stuff we were going to do. And um, the weird thing about it is if you do that, you don't actually get any way to communicate to your customers. Right. And one of the big things like we are uh, growth marketers and we help build, uh, you know, solid, uh, really good UXs and user journeys for products uh, in our Web2 business impact is remarketing. And one of the most important things is when someone buys your product, especially if it's like a course or a membership, you need to onboard them. You need to teach them what to do. Like, hey, thanks for joining. You know, here's how to get the most out of this product you just bought. And it's like, go here to get this stuff. And here's your resources here. And like, you sort of teach them how to use it. And if you have like calls or weekly events, you want to share that. So the user like is informed. And when someone signs up for a, your product and they do an NFT instead of paying with like, let's say a credit card, well, you don't get their email. You don't get any way to communicate with them. You got to just hope that they join your discord. But like, 
you know, right now, maybe 10% of people actually do that, you know, and not everyone in your discord actually like is engaged in there. So you kind of have this like disconnect from the product and, um, and the user. And I don't care what everyone's, anyone says, like people are like, Oh, but this is better. Like, you know, then I don't have all the spam, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I guarantee when you buy products, you really want, you want to know how to make the most of it. I guarantee it. And so we need those communication lines. And I've, I've been trying to figure out, you know, how is that going to happen? Is it like, are we going to integrate email into this somehow? Are we going to create something brand new? Um, and a lot of people have talked about message to like wallet to wallet messaging. Um, and uh, maybe this is the future. I don't know, but it looks like it's happening here. Um, this is actually on Solana, I believe, um, is where this is starting out, this company here. And, uh, and yeah, you're going to be able to, I assume send like automated messages and things to those who, you know, interact with your app, or maybe it's when they buy things. I don't know what the rules will be here, how this will work, but super exciting for kind of the first, one of the first iterations of it to happen. And I think you, you and Jay touch on it all the time on the podcast, but wallets are going to be so much more than they are right now. And this is cool to see another kind of use case. And I know myself, at least I, I am so frustrated with all the different apps and emails and, and text messages that I have messages coming in all over the place. Like it, it is kind of nice to think that you could have it all come in through your wallet. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's a, kind of a game changer actually. And, and I think what will happen is like, because we own our data and we own the things in our wallet, we get to decide who can actually send us a push notification or whatever. Right. So like, mm -hmm. um, I'm sure they're going to build in those sort of controls. Whereas right now, when I sign up for Facebook or something, I have to give them my email in order to sign up and I have no choice and I can't mm -hmm. say, don't message me. Right. I can eventually change my like notifications and stuff, but it's a bit of a pain. But I think what will happen is I'll have global control in my wallet saying no one can mess me or maybe they can send me their first two messages to help onboard. And then after that, like nothing. So like, yeah. I think we'll just have more control, which is, is super cool. Um, and we actually have, um, we have someone from, uh, I think his name is Jaff coming on the podcast uh, in a couple weeks um, from EPNS, which is um, Ethereum push notification service. So essentially the same thing, but on Ethereum, um, they're actually coming on the podcast soon uh, and uh, we'll be able to dive in and, and learn more from him. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right. So Circle, who is, um, I don't know if it's, is USDC the biggest uh, stable coin right now in the space? I think it is. Maybe it's USDT. I think one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. So USDC is, uh, or Circle, sorry, is a centralized company who created the stablecoin USDC. It's one of the most popular in the space. Uh, it's been around for a long time. It's on like, I don't even know, almost all of the blockchains, um, uh, which is really cool. And they have billions and billions of, of um, you know, market cap here. They are one of the most um, regulatory friendly, I guess. You know, they are very open and they're all everything. All their stable coins are backed by a dollar. So it's nothing like Luna. Um, if you're going to use a stablecoin, I highly recommend you use USDC. Um, and then the only thing I would say is they are centralized. And so like the money that's backing USDC is in a bank. And so like technically that is a risk, right? If they were ever to get blocked. Now, could that happen? I mean, it definitely can happen. Will it? I have no idea. But anyway, um, just wanted to explain some of the risks there, but they are launching the Euro coin. So the same thing as USDC, but this is Euro C uh, and it's a essentially a euro backed stable coin, um, which I don't know. I don't know why we need that. I think um, if you're going to use any 
fiat currency or any stable coin, you probably want it to be the one that's backed by the, by like the best of all the shittiest coins, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like fiat coins are all just a piece of shit, to be honest, because they're all inflating away. But the US dollar is the best of them all, at least has been for a long time. It is the reserve currency of the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I just don't, I don't understand the uh, incentive why people want to use this. I guess maybe Europeans might want to use it for some reason, but like, I don't know if you're, if your yeah. European dollars inflating away more than the US dollar is, you, I'd probably just want to hold in the US dollar. And I mean, right. I get like in Europe, there's fees and stuff to get over to the US dollar, but there isn't on crypto rails. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they're doing this, but I'm sure they have their reasons and I'm sure they've looked into it. But yeah. uh, so will this be, is it pegged to the Euro in a similar yeah, way? It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pegged to the Euro. I think the same as the USDC, it's going to be uh, redeemable one for one for Euro dollars. Um, maybe it makes life easier for those in, in Europe that have Euro dollars, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how this does. It's cool, I guess. Um, Circle's huge. And um, so far, they've made a really successful uh, US dollar stable coin. So we'll see how that goes with the Euro coin as well. I wonder if we end up having basically one stable coin for every kind of fiat system around the globe, or if it eventually just goes to one. Yeah, that's, I don't know how this goes. I mean, like, there's definitely, Kevin O'Leary talks about this a lot of like, look, stable coins are super, super, super important because um, people all over the world use the US dollar, right? And the problem right now, though, is to use that U.S. dollar from country to country is an absolute pain, right? Because you can't move it on weekends. There's all these crazy fees. Like for me to send money from like here to like Europe, like I can fly over to Europe faster than I can like send my money to someone in Europe. It's insane, right? Because it's all on the SWIFT, um, like kind of the old payment rails. And so what's amazing about stable coins is it's you they're stable right it's we you obviously we use fiat currency in the real world and so people want that but i can move it from any country um free without any of these exchanges without relying on custodians um so like it is an amazing thing and kevin o'leary talks about this a lot of like this needs to be the first part that gets regulated because it's such an unlock to the rest of the world um and it keeps like the U.S. government should be all over this because it keeps the U.S. as the global reserve currency. If everyone is using, you know, U.S. dollars through stable coins, it's a better sure. technology, right? Where you do have these crypto rails that don't have these stupid like fees and all these like slow transactions, et cetera. Um, but it keeps everyone in the U.S. dollar. So why would you not want that? Right. It just allows us to spread it across the world in a better way. Um, so he's super bullish on stable coins. Um, and he's like, if we're going to do any regulation, it needs to be, it needs to be stable coins right now because it's just an unlock for the world. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Super cool. We'll see what, if, if the Euro coin picks up any traction. Um, but uh, I'm sure it will have some sort of, uh, benefit to, to someone. Okay. Um, immutable, man, we talk about immutable every single week. What's going on here? Right. Um, so they just announced that they are launching uh, the immutable developer and venture fund. Uh, and that is going to have $500 million. Um, and it will be used to accelerate the adoption of web three games and projects. And I think this is, this is really cool news because we're in a bear market and there's a lot of negativity going on right now, but it's clear that there is still a ton of money coming in and a lot of people who are building. And so this is the best time to just kind of head down, build stuff and continue to grow the space. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have a lot of companies that are letting people go. Right. And you have companies that are hiring immutables, hiring a hundred people right now. 
Uh, and they're also giving away $500 million, uh, you know, to accelerate adoption during a time when there's a lot of people that are, you know, laying off people. So you can tell who are the, who are the companies and the projects in the space that like have really nailing it, you know, that really have figured this stuff out. And Immutable is definitely one of them. Um, these guys are just crushing the space. And actually we did a podcast with, uh, or I did a podcast with Lark Davis, um, who's a big time crypto investor um, just the other day uh, that was released. And he was just talking about, you know, there are still opportunities in, uh, in investing in a bear market. It's just, you've got to dig deeper. It's harder. You got to find them. But he's like, one of the things I'm looking for is like, who is still hiring in this space? Who is still, you know, investing in this space? Like, who still has capital? Those that still have capital show like, well, they probably have revenues. So they have some sort of product market fit and they know what they're doing with their treasury, right? They know what they're doing with their hiring, et cetera. Like these are the, those are the companies you probably want to be looking into and maybe investing in now. This is not financial advice, um, but just saying, you know, this is what Lark was talking about. And you see, boom, these guys are launching a $500 million fund in the middle of a bear market. Um, so pretty amazing to see. Uh, and by the way, I guess that uh, gives me the moment to say, if you are looking for a job uh, in Web3, then uh, look no further than the Web3 Academy Doer Collective. We are collecting a bunch of talent in the space and um, and basically putting it out to those who are still hiring in the space. Um, so we're trying to reach out to as many companies as we can who are looking to hire and let them know, hey, we've got this talent collective here of all these really cool people. Uh, really smart people that are super interested in Web3. And we want to, you know, connect you with the companies that are hiring. So um, make sure the uh, to check that out. The show notes, in the show notes below, you'll see a link where you can sign up uh, and you can create your your, your profile. Uh, and if you're looking to hire in this space, then also go to the same link and you can subscribe to that collective and you can go and reach out to them and DM these people and um, hopefully find your your next hire. All right. Another one that's coming on the podcast soon actually is Polygon ID. And they just went live, I think this morning. Um, but basically, they we talk a lot about ID and how like identity is going to change and be put on the blockchain. Um, and Polygon ID is doing something really cool. So Polygon ID is a self-sovereign identity solution powered by ZK. So zero knowledge cryptography that brings huge potential for DAO governance. So basically what zero knowledge cryptography is, and this is actually why we are getting Polygon on the podcast because I don't really understand it fully, but as from everyone I see, it is the next like big thing in technology for blockchain. And everyone kind of thinks that zero knowledge proofs is going to be everywhere. Basically what it is, is a way to prove either who you are or things you have or whatever the the data is that's needed, but to prove it without actually showing that data. So meaning zero knowledge proofs allow me to prove that I am a unique human without actually telling you which human I am. So in the web two world, and even right now in the blockchain world, without zero knowledge proofs, in order for me to prove like who I am, like, I don't know if I need to verify like on my Coinbase account or whatever, I have to show that I'm a human. But in order to do that, I have to give my ID, which says my name is Kyle Reedhead and my address is this and blah, 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 blah. What this allows for zero knowledge proofs is to prove any fact or thing about you or about whatever without actually showing that information. Um, how it does that, I don't know. We are going to ask Polygon and figure that out. But basically, Polygon ID is being built on top of these zero knowledge proofs. And what it enables is anonymous 
credentialed voting, private proof of personhood, and private reputation building. So you can sort of like prove who you are, you can vote on things, um, but not actually have to show who you are. And then you can build a reputation. So like, I don't know, the more that you vote or the more that you like do things with, um, with protocols, you can get these, I'm assuming it'll be NFT, you know, non-transferable credentials. Um, and you can kind of showcase those without actually showing who you are. Um, so really, really interesting use cases. And again, we'll get Polygon ID to come on. And, um, and I think someone from Polygon, um, Hermes, Hermes, whatever, which is their, their big um, ZK knowledge proof that's launching. And, uh, and they can explain this stuff in more detail than, than I can. That's cool. And cool. this is some, something I've been thinking about for a while, and I don't know how this really like integrates into it, but I feel like at some point in the future, voting for like politicians, anything government should be on the blockchain, then you don't have all these, uh, you know, recounts and people saying that there's fraudulent voting. It's, it's, it's there, it's, it's stored, it's transparent. Like, and I don't know, I think that might at some point become kind of where, where we head. Absolutely. Seems like such an obvious solution to, I mean, mm -hmm. what happened in the US, right? I mean, oh, yeah. not even just the US, like, but this happened, I think it was the last US election, there was all those issues. But I mean, think about it more in like the developing countries where there's so much fraud, especially when you have, um, you know, totalitarian um, leaders and stuff like, oh man, this is such a big unlock for, for politicians and for governance of nation states um i would assume it takes a long time for this to happen because oh, sure, <laughs> yeah. governments move slow but yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a huge unlock i could see that being the case yeah. for sure huge huge issue though like being in texas um we, we went down to port aransas which is a small little beach town and run into a lot of different characters there but there were people holding flags up that are like trump is still the president like they believe that and it's crazy that you still have this on a weird dynamic where it seems like, you know, this would be a great fix for that. Such an easy, such an easy use case for this. Uh, hopefully it comes sooner than later. So moving on to the, the ones and twos, um, there was actually some, uh, some very interesting information uh, announcement that came out yesterday. Um, DYDX, which is a um, perpetuals trading exchange. I actually have no idea what perpetuals are, to be honest. Um, but, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a DeFi DGen, of course, I'm more on the web three side of things, but, uh, so basically DYDX has been, um, was on Ethereum and then it moved to a, a ZK speaking of ZK, ZK, um, ZK rollup where it was an app specific chain. Um, and the reason they did it is because they needed to scale. So there's a lot of trading going on, uh, in this, it needs a lot of throughput. And, uh, of course it needs like cheap to basically zero fees in order for traders to use this. Um, and what they announced is their V4. So they've already had three versions. They've been building for a long time and they've actually gained a lot of traction uh, on Ethereum. Um, I think they have close to a billion dollars um, TVL in their current uh, version. And they announced that they are actually, um, their V4 is going to be moving to a standalone Cosmos based blockchain. So they are moving off of the Ethereum L2 ecosystem and moving off Ethereum completely and moving over to Cosmos. Now, the reason they are doing this, according to um, the article here and the, the founder, is it is the thing that gives them the best um, chance to build the best product right now. So Cosmos also has sort of a, 
it's not a layer two, but it's basically like they have their own. Um, you basically can build your own blockchain on Cosmos is the easiest way to I think to explain it. It's sort of an easy way to create your own blockchain uh, and either use the security of Cosmos or create your own security with your own token. So basically what they are doing is moving onto their own blockchain and using the DYDX token for the security and for like transaction fees. So they think one of the reasons is because this gives more utility to their token. Um, and I guess the other thing is that Cosmos right now is more scalable and more um, is more scalable than uh, than the layer two um, ecosystem on Ethereum because that's still something that's being built out. It's only been around for like a year, um, and so they believe that Cosmos is going to be the best way for them to build the best product possible right now. Um, so very interesting because I mean on the show a lot I talk about anyway. Um, you know, layer twos are the future. Layer twos of Ethereum. And we think most people are going to move there. Um, and uh, so eye-opening to see someone move off layer two over to Cosmos. Mm -hmm. uh, congrats to Cosmos. It's a big, uh, it's a big move. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cosmos is cool. I think, you know, they're very much into this interoperability and a multi-chain future, um, which it seems like that's that's where we're going. And so like the the smoother that that process can be, I think the better. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think my take on this is this. Um, Cosmos, I've, I've actually looked into quite a bit. Um, they are doing some really cool stuff. Um, my big concern of what they're doing, though, specifically here with what DYDX is doing, is by having your own blockchain and your own token be the thing that secures it, is now mm -hmm. they got to go. You're basically segmenting security, right? Um if you're a roll-up on Ethereum, you're just using the, the security of Ethereum, which is currently the most secure, the most decentralized, et cetera. Um, and it's just every, the whole ecosystem can just rely on more people securing Ethereum for it to secure all these other layer twos. What DYDX now has to do is go find their own security. They need to find validators who will validate specifically for DYDX. And you have the problem of tokenomics is really important here. The price of your token really matters because you have the potential of a 51% attack. If someone owns more than 51% of your token, then they can basically shut down the system. And so the more, for more security, you need your token price and market cap to be extremely high. I don't know what the market cap is of DYDX, but I can guarantee you it's nowhere near the market cap of Ethereum, right? Yeah, and so point. you just, you're kind of sacrificing security here by segmenting it because every, every chain that gets built on Cosmos, if they use their own token for security, they all are fighting for market cap and they all are fighting for validators. And at some point, that's got to become an issue. That's my only concern. I don't know. Maybe they'll find it another way. Um, like, again, we're still in innovation stage. So I don't know. That's just my only concern. And what a lot of people had said um, just on Twitter about this. Um, but uh, I think the reason they did it is, look, L2s are not fully there yet. They are not fully decentralized they are not fully scalable just yet like we got a lot of work to do in that space and dydx is already popular and they need something now not something later um and so um i think yeah it's probably a good move um for them we'll see we'll see where things go in the future but uh very interesting um this was actually a take from wine watkins who is um used to be part of masari was an analyst there 
now is kind of doing his own thing. And he says, well, I understand the desire for sovereignty and the need to scale more quickly. I'm not convinced why an app chain is the best path forward. Losing security and composability as opposed to deploying on StarkNet. This is what the ZK rollup was that they were on. Um, with, the, um, with the Ethereum ecosystem seems risky. Um, I also think the app chain value accrual thesis isn't all, isn't all it's made out to be uh, and not materially different from building an app-specific rollup. L1 Premium is going to collapse over the coming years as the market begins to think more critically about value accrual. Um, so just an interesting take there on security. And again, there's a lot we have to learn on tokenomics, on security, on where value is going to go in this space. We just don't know enough yet. Um, in bull markets, I mean, value grows anywhere and everywhere. Uh, in bear markets, as we've seen, uh, it gets very particular on where it's going to go. Um, so yeah, we'll see how this one plays out, but an interesting, uh, interesting move by DYDX. For sure. What's this? This is cool. Uh, so Synthetics racks up over a million dollars in daily fees um, and their token, SNX, uh, surges 100%. And this was, when was this? The 20th, so just a couple of days ago, um, just, which in the middle of the spare market, they are they are finding a ton of success. I don't know what the, the tipping point for that was, do you? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Um, so Synthetics is a, a layer two solution. So they're on layer twos of Ethereum. And um, it does not say exactly what it was. Uh, increasing trading activities and unprecedented comeback of its token yeah it doesn't really say but here's the interesting if you look at the fees here i mean first of all if we're looking at um for those listening we're looking at the uh, the daily fees of all the different protocols in the space you can do this on crypto fees i think.com or .io whatever it is and um uh, usually it's Ethereum that's up there by a long shot and it, Ethereum has been surpassed by Uniswap. So Uniswap is currently generating $4 million. Well, actually on a seven day average, $5 million on average per day in fees. So you want to talk about revenue of a protocol. That's huge. That's wild, and again, yeah. this is likely where value is going to accrue is to the, the, the profitable protocols, right? You know, Uniswap up there, Ethereum on the seven day average is 6 million. Uh, but Synthetics comes out of nowhere and has over a million in one day. And so their average is 460,000 right now. Um, but they just like crushed it and had a, over a million in fees. Um, so interesting to see when you're looking at um, uh, sort of fundamentals of things in this space, which is very important, obviously, in a bear market. Um, this is just something to look at. It's like which protocols are actually generating revenue and how. Uh, the next thing you need to look at is like, does that revenue get shared with the token holders or are they just generating like Uniswap right now? That's a lot of revenue. But if you're a uni holder, you don't get anything from that. So it doesn't actually matter. You just have governance as a uni holder. Um, I'm not sure of synthetics. I honestly have no idea. Um, but just again, tokenomics is so important. I think something I want to dive into so much more um, because this stuff matters um, for, you know, when you're building a business in the space is how are you generating revenue and value back to your token and to your, your community? Um, and uh, I don't know, synthetics is crushing it all of a sudden. Heck yeah. And that's so cool to see Uniswap, Uniswap up there at the number one spot. I did yeah. not expect that. Right. Uniswap is a beast. Absolute beast. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a wrap up for our show. And as we wrap up here, um, we're going to get into our final uh, session of the day, which is Web3 person of the month. I guess it's the month, not the week, but of the month. Um, Jared, do you want to tell us who the Web3 person of the month is? Uh, this is Mr. Sam. What is the last name? Sam Bakeman. I don't know. Sam Bakeman Freed. Sam Bakeman Freed. 
Yeah, SBF <laughs> is is better known as. Uh, uh, we had Raul from Web3 Academy tweeted out, I don't know, just the other day, he says, that man, the man that'll save us all, say GM or you'll get liquidated. <laughs> <laughs> and this is SBF. And the reason he is the uh, Web3 person of the month is he's basically saving all of our bags right now. He is mm-hmm. buying up all of these, not buying up, sorry, he's investing in or bailing out a lot of these companies uh, that are currently going insolvent uh, because they're too greedy and over leveraged uh, and they're all getting liquidated. So SBF is, is kind of saving our saving grace and, and helping us out. We talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the episode. Um, so I guess uh, maybe our gratitude should have went to SBF. I know. Right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. But he's taken over. I mean, he's got all the acquisitions he's making now. He's I think the what second or third largest investor in Robin hood. Like he's, He's making some moves right now. This guy's only like 30. I think he's honestly, I think he might be my age. He's like 32. Uh, maybe he's 31. Okay. He's like, and he's like one of the richest people in the world. Now this guy is just an animal. Um, I still question his motives. I hope he is a good guy. Sounds like he is. He wants to donate mm-hmm. all of his money and all that. Um, uh, like he wants to donate billions of dollars to, I don't even know what, but he wants to do that. So, it makes me believe he is hopefully a good guy, but I don't know. Cause he's got a lot of control over this industry and yeah. it's only getting more and more and more. So I hope uh, that us making you the person of the month SBF means that you're going to treat our industry uh, well in the coming years. But um, assuming SBF listens to our podcast. I, I love that photo too. That's a, that's so, a legendary photo. <laughs> it's kind of a little bit creepy to be honest, but yeah, he is, he is a legend. Um, well, that's it. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Web3 Academy podcast. Jeremy, thank you so much for taking place of thank Jay you. while he's running around New York City. Uh, who knows what he's doing? Right. We will find out next week, I'm sure. Uh, but listeners, um, if you are not yet in our Discord, please join our Discord and uh, contribute to the community um, and uh, come in there. Help us find the best news of Web3. We want to share more news that comes from our community. Um, so get in there and share some news. If you have questions, you can get in there and ask. Um, and if you're building in the space and you just want to bounce ideas off of each other, um, get in there. Cause we got a bunch of entrepreneurs, people who are involved in businesses, creators. Um, and we just shoot the shit on web three all day. Um, so we want you in there and we want to hear from you. Um, so again, in the show notes below, you can find the link to get into our discord. We would love to have you in there. Uh, But thank you, friends, and I wish you guys all a beautiful end of the week and weekend. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. By the way, if you have yet to join the Discord community, you are missing out. This is where all the magic happens. This is where we learn, where we ask questions, where we network. Uh, you want to be in there. The link to join is in the description below. And finally, a quick disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.